There are many stories of the strange and unusual. Some are true, others are not. Misfits Audio is proud to present Strange Stories, a collection of tales by Mike Murphy that can take place on any world at any time. We hope our cast entertains you with these tales of the supernatural and the fantastic. It is a beautiful, clear morning in the year 1980. The mountain in the foreground is Lion Mountain, part of Milford Sound in New Zealand. Lion Mountain, so named because of its resemblance to a crouching lion, is 4,271 feet tall. Look carefully. Do you see those two small colored dots about halfway up the mountain? One red, one blue? The man in the blue jacket is Roland Hewitt. He's in the lead. The rope tied to his waist is secured to his red-jacketed friend a few feet below him, Alex Heffernan. Mr. Heffernan, age 31, is a mountain-climbing enthusiast, vacationing in New Zealand with his wife Irene and his toddler son, Michael. Mr. Heffernan is about to speak. Please listen to what he has to say. He will be dead in approximately five minutes. How are you doing, Roland? Fine, how about you? How's the weather down there? Very funny. I'm a little tired, but okay. That boy of yours didn't sleep through the night? No. He was certain there were monsters under his bed in the hotel. I thought the monsters were in his room back in Massachusetts. They came with you all the way to New Zealand. I guess so. You know how stubborn those under-the-bed monsters can be. They better have paid their own airfare. (laughs) I remember those days. You weren't lying, Roland. It is quite a view from up here. I knew you'd enjoy the climb. Wait till you see the view from the summit. When I first climbed Lime Mountain last year, I said to myself, Roland, you have to tell Hef about this. He'll love it. How much longer to the top? Probably an hour and a half, two hours. Why? Do you need a break? (laughs) Maybe in a bit. I've had your butt in front of me for the whole climb. Not the best view. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. I'll pack some chow in those bundles hanging from the line and a little something special in a flask. It'll be good for what ails you. Well, if that don't beat all... What? What? We're safe, Hef. Don't worry. What's that noise? I I can't see it, but it seems to be all around us. Look to your left and down a bit. Well, I'll be. It's... It looks like a flying saucer. Brace yourself, Hef. It's getting awfully close. Will you look at that? The saucer's idling right beside me. It's only a few feet away. I I could touch it. I wouldn't. Roland, it's opening up. There's a doorway into Plank. Somebody's coming out. Let's get out of here. I don't feel like being abducted today. <laughs> gotcha. Alex Heffernan, I presume. Hold on, Roland! Yes, I'm Heffernan. Who wants to know? 
My name's Mark Daly. I I'm from Just In Time Enterprises. Just In Time? That's not important now. You look... human. <laughs> That's because I am. Is this some kind of Air Force ship? A prototype? We don't have time for small talk, gentlemen. Every second is of the essence. I have something for you, Mr. Heffernan, here. A new climbing rope? Please, take it. We don't need that. We have a perfectly good one already. The best money can buy. That may be. However, it has become slightly frayed, probably from contact with the rocks, and it will be snapping in a very short time. Both of you have failed to notice this. How can you know that? Can we please talk later, after you're safely tethered to your friend with a new rope? Our client has paid my partner and me a great deal of money to save your life. If you don't do what I say, you'll be dead in a few minutes. Who's your client? Your son, Michael. Michael? Where'd he get the money? He just started walking. He's not even two years old. In 1980, yes. Mr. Heffernan, I'm from your future, more than 30 years in the future to be exact. You'll be happy to know that your son, Michael, has grown up to be a fine man. He and his wife just had a baby girl. Your son wants you to know her. He has enlisted my company to make that possible. You will never know your granddaughter if you don't quickly tie the rope I gave you to you and Mr. Hewitt before you plummet off this mountain to your death. Please, we can't keep the time ship in 1980 for very long. We're violating at least a half a dozen laws of physics right now. Roland, tie this to yourself, quickly. Thank you, Mr. Heffernan. You're listening to this, fruitcake? Do it, quick. All right, all right. There, here's your in half. Catch. Got it. Is it on good and tight? Really snug. Just tie your end around your waist. I'm doing it. Done. Thank you, Mr. Heffernan. Best of luck in your future. ship's gone. It's disappeared. Roland! He was right! Jeez, Hev! Another minute and you'd be falling down the mountain with our supplies! Yeah, wow. I sure cut that one fine, didn't I? Oh, my son. My son saved my life. I should have died today. <laughs> What's so funny? A grandfather, Roland. I'm gonna be a grandfather. Alex Heffernan will live to see another day, and hopefully his granddaughter, thanks to Mark Daly and his as-yet-unnamed partner from Just In Time Enterprises. However, Daly and his cohort have tampered with the timeline. By all rights, Alex Heffernan should now be lying dead at the bottom of Lion Mountain. Tampering with history can be a dangerous thing. Changing the past can alter the present in substantial, perhaps undesired, ways. Have the people at Just-In-Time Enterprises thought of that? Have they thought about how their actions in the past can change what is? If they haven't, a new client coming to their office shortly will make them face that fact. We'll be right back with Just In Time.
And we're back. Earth date is December 3rd, 2011. The time is 1.06 p.m. Eastern. Good flying, Ted. Thanks. I was getting a little worried back there. It was becoming tough to keep the time ship and the safety envelope. What took you so long? Mr. Heffernan was reluctant to believe me. Fortunately, he finally did. Good. I would have hated to give the younger Heffernan back his $250,000 check. I punched you out of 1980 as soon as I saw you give me the high sign. I was a little worried on that ramp, I don't mind telling you. It's a good thing we were able to extend the safety envelope around it and make it a time-safe space. I never even felt a breeze. I didn't envy the idea of falling off the ramp down to the bottom of Lion Mountain. If you had, I would have tried to catch you with the time ship. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I wonder how many bones I would have broken when I hit the ship. It was nice to save someone's life. Heffernan's son paid us a quarter of a mil just so his dad could be a grandfather. It's kind of touching, don't you think? Yes, it is. But don't forget, Ted, that this way the son also gets to grow up with his father. He doesn't lose his dad in that climbing accident in 1980 because now, in the new timeline, it never happened. The timeline where Alex Heffernan dies in a fall is gone for good now. It would be fun to look up Mr. Heffernan today and see what kind of grandfather he is. You said he wouldn't remember our intervention, right? That's correct. After a few minutes, the timeline seems to adjust itself, and it gets over the rough patch we created in our hop. Any memory he had of us would vanish not long after you popped the ship out of 1980. We still remember the two timelines because of the shielding on the time ship. I wonder if Mr. Heffernan is even still alive. Why wouldn't he be? Just because we saved him from the 1980 accident, we have no way of knowing that he might not die in the revised timeline in, say, a car accident in 1981. Good point. I told his son about that when he visited our office. We can only change what has happened. We can't make the elder Heffernan live forever. We're not in the immortality business. I suppose I could always look up the birth announcement on the internet and see if Alex Heffernan is listed as the paternal granddad. What did the son say the little girl's name was again? Do you remember? Kristen, I think. And that was it. I may go online later. You do that. Well, we'd better get ready. Mrs. Harris is coming at 2.30 for her consultation. That's right. It's a good thing we got back when we did. You're forgetting that this is a time ship, Mark. I can bring us back to any point in time that I want. This way, we can have lunch before Mrs. H shows up. Please, uh, sit down, Mrs. Harris. Oh, thank you, young man. May I offer you some help? No, thank you. Just because I'm old and walk with a cane doesn't mean I need any help in getting round. I'm still independently mobile. I meant no disrespect, ma'am. Of course you didn't. I'm sorry. I'm just an old lady who's seen too much suffering. Gets a little crotchety sometimes. No problem. Please, have a seat. My name is Ted Logan. May I present my partner in Just-in-Time Enterprises, Mark Daly. Pleased to meet you both. And we you, Mrs. Harris. Uh, may I offer you some refreshment? No, thank you. Did you have any trouble finding the house? None. 
or he took a cab only because I had to get here. I don't drive. I've never driven a day in my life. I don't trust cars. I feel that way sometimes myself. I've had a few break down on me at the worst possible moments. Mr. Harris, my late husband Martin, always did the driving. You mentioned on the phone that you had a job you wanted us to do for you? Yes. I want you to bring Martin back to life. We may be able to do that for you. It depends upon how Mr. Harris died. He died in an automobile accident in 1967. I've been alone ever since. I'm sorry for your loss. With the proper information, we may be able to go back and prevent the accident. We would need precise details, like the exact date, time, and location of the accident. Martin died on January 16, 1967, at 10.30 in the evening. He was only a few blocks from our home in Seattle. Sadly, he contributed to his death. He'd had too much to drink at that party. He never should have gotten behind the wheel. He was coming home. The baby sitter was sick. I told him that I'd stay with our little boy. Go to the party and enjoy yourself, I said. Those were the last words I spoke to him. It was a rainy night, and all the roads turned slippery. The police called. Martin had hit a tree. They said he died instantly. I'm so sorry. I raised our son by myself. Some years ago, I moved from Seattle to Massachusetts to live with him, his wife, and two girls. It's not an ideal arrangement, but I can't live alone anymore. I get so very lonely. Do you really think you can bring my sweet Martin back? Yes. The thing to do would be to keep him from driving home after the party. Maybe we should keep him from even going to the party. That would bring him back to me? It's a little difficult to explain. Time flows in what we call a timeline. It's like a long, straight river. There's a logical order to it. 1965, then 1966 then 1967, etc. What Ted and I will do is go back in time and keep Martin from going to that party. That way, there will be no accident since he would never have been out on the slippery roads. So he wouldn't have died. That's right. Understand, though, Mrs. Harris, that we'll be saving him from that accident. There could be other accidents that occur later on, or illnesses, perhaps. Like Mark told me about another case, we can't make your husband immortal, only alive. I understand that. Oh, my. The thought of having more time with that dear, dear man. We were very much in love. Some of our neighbors joked that it was sickening, in a nice kind of way. I adored Martin. You said your fee was $250,000? Yes. 
That's a lot of money. If you'd like some time to think about it. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I have the money, and I can think of no better use for it. When can you save Martin? As soon as possible. If we get all the information we need so we can program a proper course, we could probably make the hop back in time tomorrow. If you'll forgive the doubts of an old lady who's been around, how can I know that you'll really do this for me and won't just take my money and skedaddle? There are a lot of unscrupulous people around who live to prey on the elderly. I'm afraid we can't give you much more than our words, Mrs. Harris. We perform similar services for a variety of clients. However, they now have no memory of ever coming here. If you remember this visit and your desire to bring your husband back, it will be proof that we haven't done our jobs. Uh, I'm not sure I understand you. The time is kind of like a videotape. Think of this timeline, the present the three of us are sharing now, as a recording on that videotape. Let's call it Recording A. In Recording A, you lost your husband in 1967, and you've come to visit us today in 2011. Without someone making a change to Recording A, it will play over and over again in exactly the same way. I see. But then Ted and I come along and record something new over Recording A. Let's call this new recording Recording B. Recording A has now been overwritten, and we can never get it back. Once Ted and I go back to 1967 and keep Martin from dying, Recording A, the present, will never have existed for you. It is my hope that Recording B, your new past, if you will, with Martin, will give you both many more happy years together. And maybe even some more children. <laughs> more kids? But Mr. Daly, I'm an old lady. You won't be in the Recording B version of 1967. You'll be more than four decades younger than you are right now. Oh, it sounds lovely. I hadn't thought of it that way. What more do you need to know? So, I'm thinking I'm going to go with Dick Nixon. Nixon? Is she even running? Yeah, he hasn't announced yet, but I think he'll run again. He's still upset about that squeaker in 1960 against Jack Kennedy. It was a close one. Me? I'm thinking about LBJ. Can he run again? Sure, for one more time. Do you think he will? Probably. He doesn't want to give up that job. <laughs> think of all that power. Well, I'll be darned. Will you look at that, Hank? A spaceship. Sure is. What do you think it's doing here? Who knows? Should we call Washington? It'll be long gone before anyone gets here. I wish I had a kid. Me too. Look, Hank. It's parked over the Harris's house. What are the little green men want for them?
It's gone. The ship disappeared into thin air. Well, you don't see that every day. Someone from that ship fired a bullet into all the tires on Mr. Harris's car. Oh, that's going to cost him. Do you think he's covered for that? That ought to do it. Martin Harris won't be going to that party with four flat tires. That sweet little old lady has her husband back. Where'd you learn to shoot like that, Mark? My dad taught me all about guns when I was a boy. I used to shoot soda cans off of wooden boards from farther away than those tires. You don't think Mr. Harris has spares? Not four of them. I think he's staying home tonight. Jeez, <sighs> I'm beat. I'm hitting the hay. How about you? In a bit. I'm going to go online and see about Alex Heffernan's granddaughter. I've been wanting to do that. Maybe I'll even see what I can find out about the Harris's' new lives together. You do that. You can tell me all about it in the morning. Mark! Mark! Open up! What? Who? It's me, Ted. Open the door. It's really important. I'm coming. I'm coming. What time is it? 1.15 a.m. Couldn't this wait until morning? No. Is Mr. Heffernan a granddad? Yes, but that's not important. What's wrong, Ted? You're pacing like an expectant father. Look at what I found online. I printed it. Area man found guilty in wife's murder. So? Keep reading. Martin Harris was found guilty today in district court in the bludgeoning death of his wife, Beverly. Oh, no. Yeah. Houston, we have a problem. This article is from 1975. I know. Seven years after we saved his miserable hide. We're responsible, Mark. How? We made sure Martin Harris lived back in 67. And he killed his wife, our client, in the new life we made for him. We're as responsible as if we killed Mrs. Harris ourselves. I'm not so sure we're responsible, Ted. Why not? You read the article. This is how history went after we changed it. We, the two of us. How can we not be responsible for Mrs. Harris's death? We did warn her about how unexpected things could happen once we saved her husband's life. We can't know what the new past might hold. Come on, Mark, you're splitting hairs here. I'm sure that dear old lady never thought her husband would kill her if she paid us to save his life. She couldn't have. I suppose you're right. I know I am. Could this have happened at other times? With other clients? I guess so. There's always that chance. It's it's only a coincidence that you stumbled upon what happened to Mrs. Harris. I didn't know things could go so wrong. I always thought we were safe since we were only dealing with everyday people. No movers or shakers. Well, you were wrong. I can't fly the time ship anymore, Mark. Not knowing what I know now. I can't take so much power into my hands. I don't have the right to play God.
you'll have to fly her at least one more time. Why? We have to fix this mess we created before we put the time ship into mothballs. We need to correct the timeline so Mrs. Harris can live again. How? The changed timeline wipes out the old one. Recording B overwrites recording A. We have to figure out some other way. I've got it. We can go back to before the murder. And how will you stop Martin Harris? I still have two bullets in my gun. You're kidding, right? You'd kill Martin Harris to save Mrs. Harris? If I have to. I've never shot anyone before, but I would. I don't see how you could do that, even if you wanted to. You'd have to be awfully close to him, and you know I can't safely land the time ship. It's tough enough keeping the safety envelope intact in the air. If I land the ship, the envelope will definitely be compromised, and all the forces in the Time Corps would be unleashed. You think we have troubles now? Then we'll have to do it from the air, like we did when I shot out his car tires. We'll need to know exactly when and where Mr. Harris is. When I pop the time ship into the past, we won't be able to look around for him for very long. How much time can you give me? It depends upon the conditions we pop into. I'd expect a maximum of ten minutes, probably less. It's tougher to hold the safety envelope together in bad weather. How are you going to know where and when to go? I'll figure it out, Ted, one problem at a time. That's the top of the hour news from KACL here in Seattle. We'll be right back with the music of the big band after these words from Hancock Appliance and Lighting. Yeah, why don't I stop? I'm going to need a couple of pops in me before I head home to her and that brat kid of mine. Her life is that kid. So dinner will be cold. So what? It'll taste bad, hot or cold. What do you want for dinner, Martin? She asked me. What well, doesn't matter? It all tastes like cardboard. What in the name of... I don't know what that is, but I don't like it. Time to give her the gas! Car. I'm gonna... Me too. That was some fancy shooting. Thanks. I figured I could do it again since I did it before. But the car was in motion this time. I'm just glad it worked. It was pretty smart of you to use the internet articles on the murder trial to figure out how to find Mr. Harris. Once I knew where he worked, I calculated approximately where he'd be after quitting time. I knew what his car looked like from our last hop. I even remembered his license plate. We've never used the time ship to kill anyone, Ted. I'm feeling kind of guilty. Don't. 
You killed a jerk so his wife could live. I don't feel bad about helping you. Martin Harris confessed to the murder in the article. Hopefully he did die in that car crash. Mark Daly speaking. Mrs. Harris, I'm so glad you called. I was going to call you later. Were you? I was wondering what was going on. I'm afraid we can't help you. We'll return your check, of course. Did something go wrong? Unfortunately, yes. There was a problem with the timeline we went back to. I can't really explain it. It's rather complicated. And we didn't expect it. This problem prevented us from carrying out your wishes. We tried and failed. I'm sorry. Is there no way around this problem? I'm afraid not. I'm very sorry to hear that. I do thank you both for trying. What do I owe you for your trouble? Nothing. Nothing. Thank you, Mr. Daly. You're welcome. I'll bring your check over personally. I don't want to entrust it to the mail. I should be there in about half an hour. Okay? That would be fine. Please bring that kind Mr. Logan with you. I'd like to make both of you a nice home-cooked meal for trying. It's my way of saying thank you. Are you sure about this, Ted? Absolutely. You? Yes. Computer, recognize daily Mark L. Working. Recognized. Computer, recognize Logan. Terrence R. Working. Recognized. Computer, this is a Class One directive. The timeship is to be rendered inoperative without the verbal commands of both of us. The exterior hatch is to be sealed until further notice. Understood. Does Mr. Logan concur? I do. So noted. Please specify timing for deactivation. After our exit. Understood. Let's go, Mark. Just a minute. Do... You remember all the work that went into building this timeship, Ted? All the late nights? I certainly do. I think I still have a couple of blisters from helping build it. It's a pity we can't use it safely anymore. One day we will. One day. Come on. And so the timeship is locked and unusable without the consent of both of the men from Just-In-Time Enterprises. Perhaps Logan is correct. Perhaps a safe way to use the timeship will be discovered in the future. It being such a great scientific invention, one can only hope. Until that possible day, the timeship will sit alone in its hangar, the time core dormant, 
and grow a little dusty as it waits for its rebirth. Our special thanks to the voices of Julie Hoverson as the narrator, Derek M. Cook as Alex Heffernan, H. Keith Lyons as Roland Hewitt, Joe Stofko as Ted Logan, H. Keith Lyons as Mark Daly, Robin Hudson as Mrs. Beverly Harris, Paul Lavelle as Hank, Joe Stofko as Chet, Elise Krawick as Radio Voice, Jim Smagata as Martin Harris, and Robin Hudson as Computer. Just in Time was written by Mike Murphy. The producer is Katie Daynert. Assistant producer is Mike Murphy. The mixer is Jim Smagata. The script editor is Arlene Osborne. The webmaster is April Sadowski. The art director is Alexa Chipman. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrazak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Julie Hoverson. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2010.